What is the most quoted Old Testament verse by the New Testament writers? This verse is quoted some two dozen times, showing how important it is. It's either quoted verbatim or alluded to by the New Testament writers, again, about 23 times. So what is the most quoted Old Testament verse by the New Testament writers? There's a parable, nobody really knows who wrote it, but it's about a man very bitter at his neighbor, and an angel shows up and promises to give this man the three deepest desires of his heart. The angel says, though, whatever he gives the man, the neighbor gets twice as much. So this man is a farmer, so he says, I need a hundred head of cattle. And the angel gives him that, and the man is happy for a moment till he looks across the fields and sees his neighbor now has 200 head of cattle. The man says, I need a hundred acres. And of course, he's given the hundred acres, but he, again, happy for a moment and angry as he looks across the field, sees his neighbor now has 200 acres. And as he looks across the field in bitterness at this neighbor that he can't stand, he looks at the angel and says, the third thing I want Make me blind in one eye. Interesting parable about the the entrapment that happens, that sin and anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, these sorts of things that they bring into our life. During this time of year, we stop and examine ourselves and again and say, what needs to exit my life and what things need to be increased in my life to bring in more of the light of Christ? There's a statement by Paul, Colossians 3, 5. I love this statement. He says, put to death what is earthly in you. Put to death what is earthly in you. What a great prayer for this week and then the rest of this year to really say, Lord, help me to put to death what is earthly in me. Colossians 3, 5. Earthly, the the things of the old sin nature. The bitterness, the upsets, the angers, the sins, all these things. Paul gives some examples. He says things like sexual immorality, impurity, evil thoughts, evil desires, covetousness, he says, which is idolatry. Put to death that which is earthly in you. We're going to look at a very earthly story found in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 8. This story involves Elisha, who was the student of Elijah, the prophet that called fire down from heaven, taken up to heaven in the whirlwind. And now Elisha is taken on the role Elijah has. And we're told this, 2 Kings 8, Elisha went to Damascus, and the king of Aram was ill. The king was told, the man of God has come all the way up here. He said to Hazael, his servant, take a gift with you, meet the man of God, and ask him, Will I recover from this illness? The king, Ben-Hadad, ill, sends Hazael to Elisha. Ask Elisha, am I going to survive this illness? We're told Hazael went to meet Elisha, and he took with him 40 camel loads of gifts. And then the scripture says, he went in and stood before Elisha, said, the king of Aram sent me to ask, will I recover from this illness? Elisha answered, go and say to him, you will certainly recover. Nevertheless, the Lord has revealed to me, he will in fact die. The servant wants to know if the king will live. Elisha says he'll survive the illness, but he will die. The next two verses are key. 
Elisha stared at him with a fixed gaze until Hazael was embarrassed. Then Elisha began to weep. Why is my Lord weeping? asked Hazael. Key to the story is why is Elisha weeping? He stares at Hazael so long he's looking through him. Hazael becomes embarrassed. Elisha begins to cry. Why is he weeping? John MacArthur shared a letter that he received from a a person at the church, and he said this in the letter, I'm 31 years old and divorced, though I fought the divorce. I feel bad. I have no hope for my future. Often I go home and cry, but there's no one holding me when I cry. Nobody cares. Nothing changes. I continue to fail. I'm stressed out emotionally. I feel I'm on the verge of a collapse. Something is very wrong. But I feel so hurt and embittered that I can scarcely react or relate to others. I feel as if I'm going to have to sit out the rest of my life in the penalty box. Lenten season is for each of us, and we've all felt it at some time, and maybe you feel that today, your life, you're sitting in the penalty box. And coming to Lenten service and into Easter is the picture of the rescue for all those who have ever felt they're in the penalty box so that they can be set free from what is earthly that holds them entrapped. Very clearly spelled out in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. In chapter 13 of Hebrews, starting at verse 11, it tells us what took place spiritually during this Easter season and Resurrection Sunday, tells us in verse 11, the bodies of those animals, talking about the Passover lambs, they were sacrificed in the temple. Then they would then feast on the lamb meat, but the skin and the bones they had to dispose of. So we're told this, the bodies of those animals, whose blood was brought in the sanctuary by the high priest for sin, are burned outside the camp. They take the skin and the bones, they would burn them in a pier outside of Jerusalem, outside the city walls, because that was considered unclean. Which is why Hebrews 13, 12 then says, Therefore Jesus, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Skin and the bones, they were burned outside the city. Christ himself carried his cross up to Golgotha, outside the city gates. The Romans, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, they might have thought they were just carrying out this unjust act. They were actually, though, fulfilling a spiritual role because Christ would be crucified outside the city gates where unclean things were disposed of. Why would he be crucified outside the city gates? They didn't want him in Jerusalem. But the beauty of the story is where did he find us? Outside the city gates, unclean, in sin. So where did he go to die? He came outside to die where we were to rescue us from that sin, to then bring us into that eternal life in the holy of holies. He, the clean, joined us, the unclean, to make us clean, to bring us then into his life. Hebrews continues, So let us, therefore, go with him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. What is the picture? We were found outside the camp, in the penalty box, so to speak, in sin, 
So he died outside the city gates where unclean things were placed to rescue us, wash us white as snow. And now he bids us to shine our light to others who still find themselves outside the city gate in sin and in darkness so that they can be brought into the light. What an incredible picture painted for us, the ambassadors for Christ, the rescued ones now becoming the rescuers, sharing the word, the promise, the way, the truth, the life found in the one who is risen indeed. As Martin Luther said, the law says do this. It's never done. Grace says believe in this. Everything is already done. Let me read uh, something from 165 AD by a theologian named Melito in Asia Minor called On Pasha. Pasha is another word for Passover. Christ, of course, died on Passover. What do believers teach 165 AD? The same thing that we teach and know is true today. Listen to Melito, 165 AD, speaking about Lenten and Easter. Once the slain of sheep was precious, but it's worthless now because of the life of the Lord. The death of sheep was precious, worthless now because of the salvation of the Lord. The blood of sheep was precious, worthless now because of the spirit of the Lord. A speechless lamb was precious, worthless now because of the spotless son. The temple below was precious, worthless now because of the Christ above. He delivered us from slavery to liberty, from darkness to light, from death to life, tyranny to eternal royalty, and made us a new priesthood, an eternal people, personal to him. I love how he closes this now. Again, picturing Christ, we're outside the city spiritually because sin made us unclean. He comes outside the city to die there to make us clean and forgive us enters into our life, listen to Melito. It is he that was in Abel murdered, and Isaac bound, and Jacob exiled, and Joseph sold, and Moses exposed, and the lamb slain, and David persecuted, and in the prophets dishonored. He who enters into our life, that we might, again, receive his life. He knows the hurt. He knows those who feel outside the penalty box. He joins us there to show us we don't have to live there any longer. Brings us back to putting to death earthly things, that earthly story, 2 Kings chapter 8. Elisha is weeping. Hazael then says to him, why is my Lord weeping? Verse 12. Elisha has been staring right through him. Here's Elisha's response. I know the harm you will do to the Israelites. You will set fire to their fortified places and kill and torture their people. Hazael said, how could your servant, a mere dog, accomplish such a feat? Hazael, as each of us at times have done, underestimated the capabilities of the heart. Again, we've been talking during this Lenten season. It's a time to stop and say, what needs to exit my life? What things do I need more of in my life? 
What earthly things do I need to put to death to? What is one specific temptation sin that you really wrestle with that you want to bring before the cross today and say, I want this to be put to death, Lord. Give me the strength and help me focus more on thee. You see, Hazael is at that turning point in his life. He is at a place, again, to decide whether or not to put to death what is earthly in you. Joseph McClendon said it well, once-in-a-lifetime opportunities come along every two weeks. Probably more than that. Because there's always a moment where everything can change, a hinge moment where there's two roads, one the earthly, the other the heavenly. And in a moment of decision, we can choose which one we pursue. And that's what's on the line for Hazael. Elisha is looking right at him. He knows the capability of Hazael's heart. Hazael is a servant of the king. He has no authority or power, really. But Elisha says, you're going to do terrible, terrible things. So here's Hazael's chance. Is he going to listen to Elisha? Elisha represents grace standing before him as grace stands before us and says, you don't have to make the wrong decision. You can do what honors God and overcome this earthly thing in you and live a different way. There's a story about Alexander the Great. He passes by some beggars. Normally they wouldn't make eye contact. One asks him, or some money. Alexander hands this person several gold coins. The servant with Alexander the Great said to him, Sir, copper coins would adequately meet the beggar's need. Why give him gold? We're told Alexander responded, Copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. For each of us, Do we give God our best? Do we give him the gold of our hearts and lives? Or do we give less? Do we stop and say, you know what? I want to put to death earthly things. He met me outside the city gates where he found me in my sin, washed me white as snow, cast my sin as far as the east is from the west. I bear it no more. He welcomed me into the eternal temple and bids me to now be the ambassador to shine my light into that darkness to seek others who feel they are spending their life in the penalty box, put to death earthly things. Hazael has that choice. Elisha responds, the Lord has shown me you will become the king. Verse 14, Hazael left Elisha, returned to his master, When the king, Ben-Hadad, asked, what did Elisha say? Hazael replied, he told me you would certainly recover. You can almost hear the pause in his voice as his mind is running because he's up to something. He's got a decision to make because Elisha knows what Hazael is capable of. Elisha weeps. And grace opens up this decision for Hazael. He's got a path to decide. Does he choose the earthly, the selfish, the sin? Does he choose the heavenly? 
where he could find true life. We're told he waits a day, but sadly this happens next. The next day, Hazael took a thick cloth, soaked it in water, spread it over the king's face so that he died. Then Hazael succeeded him as king. Sadly, we're told that Hazael went and did all the awful things Elisha knew that he would. Put to death that which is earthly in you, Paul says, so that you can walk in the light as Christ is in the light and then shine that light into the darkness so other people can be free from the sin as well. Hazael chose what is earthly. I love this quote by Terry Sisney. Is the devil beating up your family? Is he messing with your money? Is he kicking sand in your face? Is he mocking you? Are you fed up with this mess? What are you going to do about it? You are called, you are chosen, you are anointed, you have the name of Jesus, you have the word of God, you have the power of the blood of Christ, you have the righteousness of God in Christ. You are the light of the world, the salt of the earth, the heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. The greater lives in you. What are you going to do about it? How long will you let the devil bully you? How long will you let the devil harass your family, kick dirt in your face before you say, I've had it? And make the decision to put your armor on and take your sword and take your authority as a son and a daughter of God and take that bully out. What is the most quoted Old Testament verse? To remember this continually, past today, past this week, remember Psalm 110 verse 1. Psalm 110 verse 1. Quoted over and over and over for good reason. Here's what it reads. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. There are three people in this quote. David says, the father said to Jesus, sit at my right hand. What? Until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. What happens, what's already taken place spiritually, is Satan is under the foot of Christ. Therefore, he's under your foot, under my foot. He has no authority unless we fall for his lies. So therefore, we need to exercise that authority in victory in Christ over sin, over the enemy, and live holy lives and turn from sin, pray for holiness, pray for others, live by our example and our word and put to death earthly things. There's a beautiful story as we close. Joshua chapter 10. Joshua representing this figure, in a sense, spiritually showing in the Old Testament the Christ who would come, has defeated armies. They placed five kings in a cage, in a cave. And now the battles are all done. In Joshua 10 verse 22 Joshua said, open the mouth of the cave, bring out those five kings to me from the cave. They did so. So it was when they brought out those kings to Joshua, he called for all the men of Israel and said to the captains, come here, put your feet on the necks of these kings. They drew near and put their feet on their necks. And Joshua said, do not be afraid nor dismayed, be strong and of good courage. Thus the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. What happened here in that culture to put your foot on somebody else's head was showing they were submitting to your authority. 
What does Joshua say? See these five kings that represent evil? They were so frightening a moment ago. He had each of the people come over and put their foots on the head of the kings to say, See what happens when you stand in the victory over evil without fear because of what God has done for you. It's a spiritual metaphorical picture. The same thing Jesus showing us, come here, put your foot on the head of the devil. Don't be afraid. Don't be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. That's the authority you and I now have in Christ. We only fall for the lies when we fail to put to death earthly things. Psalm 110.1 is the most quoted verse for a reason. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Father said to the Son, sitting at the right hand, the place of honor. That's already happened. Satan's already been defeated. There's still sin in the world. That's why we're to be the ambassadors to shine our light brighter and brighter until that day when it is no more. Is the devil beating up your family? Is he messing with your money? Is he kicking sand in your face? Is he mocking you? Are you fed up with his mess? What are you going to do about it?